welcome to PodSpot, the UK's only HubSpot-themed podcast. It's a bi-weekly look at the latest updates from HubSpot with practical hints and tips directly from the mouths of HubSpot users and partners. Welcome back to another episode. I'm your usual host, Kerry Thompson, and I am the PR and Digital Engagement Manager at Carmen Digital. This week, we're taking a look at CMS Hub, the key tools within it, and its overall functionality. Here with me to chat about CMS Hub's best tools are Sam Turner, marketing consultant and HubSpot expert, and John Pittam, managing director here at Carmen Digital. So welcome, Sam and John. I'm blessed with two great guests today, so this should be a good one. How are you both? Very well, thank you. Yeah, delighted to be here. Yeah, really great to be here, Kerry. Thanks. Thanks for having me back on. And delighted to be accompanied by Sam, you know, because he is the HubSpot expert, not me. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing what he has to say. I'm really excited to find out who these two great guests are that you've got on today. So, uh, and <laughs> they're coming later. Yeah, they're coming later. Until they arrive, I guess we'll do. Yeah, nice to see that you're delighted with with Sam joining John and not me. Uh, both of you. Well, you're always here, Kerry. So it's absolute pleasure to to you know work alongside you and, and record these podcasts. Thank you. You're just used to my brilliance by now, so uh, so it's no different. Of course. So John, you've been on on these many a time now, um, so I'm sure our listeners are very familiar with you. But Sam, it's great to have you join us today. So why don't we start with a little bit of an introduction into you um, and how long you've been using HubSpot for? Yeah, sure. So, so I consult on the use of HubSpot uh, within businesses on a on a sort of independent freelance basis, um, and that often um, means some level of copies needed too. HubSpot, um, all, all areas of it, still needs a lot of copy to run, whether that's website text or text for sales documents. So, I tend to get involved with that too. Um, and yeah, that, that tends to be the sort of projects that I do: people who who want to onboard with HubSpot or do something specific within HubSpot, or or people who need some level of content to, to make it go and and, and do what they, they need it to do. Um, I was looking at recently I've, I've had to look back at when my involvement with HubSpot started and um, I, I sort of pinpointed it because HubSpot used to, the sales extension within Outlook and Gmail used to be called Sidekick. I don't know whether you remember this, John, using Sidekick back in the day. Indeed, I do. Yeah. And that, that change was around 2015 and it, it changed from signals. It was signals originally and then it changed to sidekick and now it's just a sales extension. So yeah, I think my involvement with HubSpot dates back to sort of the 2014, 2015 neck of the woods. Um, and then obviously more recently um, involved on a, on a more formal basis. Very nice. Wow, throwing it back. I'd never heard of sidekick before, so that's a new one for me. So we know that CMS was only launched last year and actually in our first ever episode, we discussed with Luke Summerfield kind of the driving force for it um, and how its creation was bringing tech process and culture together in a more robust and flexible offering. So I suppose my question is from your perspective as users, what's changed? How different is CMS Hub compared to the previous HubSpot CMS? Shall I go first and then... uh, uh Sam can fill in the plenty of blanks that I'm sure there'll be. Um, <laughs> what, the big thing for me actually was the name change, you, you know. So, so CMS Hub used to be called uh, the HubSpot COS, which I think was the com- content optimization system. And of course, we talked about the COS as a CMS because it's what you use to put, you know, put your content on to make it live on the site. And of course, no one really understood outside of HubSpot and, and partners. No one really understood what the COS was when we talked about it. So actually, the what, well, the big change that I you, you know, I think actually made a big positive difference to them is actually suddenly it started being referred to as the CMS rather than COS. So, so that was great. Um, I think that, you know, 
I think one of the key bits of functionality, uh, particularly when we talk about HubSpot CMS being really great for marketeers, is the drag and drop functionality and the, the ability to easily build out pages, clone pages, copy pages, and build out content, you know, without needing to go to a developer. So anyone who's used drag and drop editors generally probably around, you know, email templates and things like that, a lot of email tools use them. Um they, they they were great and and actually that has just made life so much simpler for marketeers um you know you could add to that i know we're going to talk about the hub db but i think that's a massive opportunity um i think it's still underutilized by a lot of, of companies that have got hubspot cms um and then it brought in some you know because hubspot's starting to go more enterprise or giving i guess the platform giving the platform more enterprise capabilities you know they introduced multi-language page editing, you know, which for those people that work across, you know, organizations across the globe makes life a lot easier. And then also introducing things like memberships so you can build out membership portals, et cetera. So um, hopefully have I covered everything there, Sam? Is there anything left for you to, to pick up on? I apologize. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a very, very easy podcast because I can just sit here and, uh, and listen to you. So I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear about how you're using HubDB. But yeah, I think I think you've nailed it. I think the the CMS in the past was almost like an experimental add-on that you could take or leave as part of a HubSpot purchase and install. You know, it was it was literally called an add-on, and it was it was there to 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 use or not use as you wanted to. The change to CMS Hub feels more like HubSpot is moving towards almost being a CMS first with other bits of software that you you know you can do bits within the CMS. And I think that the way that I the way that I, I look at it nowadays is it's a, it's a CMS that solves problems rather than creates them. Um, so you know you, you look at WordPress and the various integrations that you need to use if you or the various other bits of software that you need to use to do your marketing if you've got WordPress as your CMS, and then you look at the HubSpot CMS and everything that you get with it um, to to enable a firm's marketing. It solves the problems rather than rather than creates them, and and that's been a big part of the change to the CMS Hub as well. Yeah, I think um, people definitely want their CMS to solve problems, not create them. If it is creating them, I think you probably need to rethink what you're doing. Um, great. So so that's CMS Hub as a whole. But I think I'm keen to hone in on a few of the individual tools. And one that's really interesting, John, you just touched on there, is HubDB. Um, so I guess for our non-developer listeners or those who just aren't familiar with it, can you tell us a little bit about it and how it's used? You mentioned, John, you think it's it's pretty underutilized and, you know, there's lots of, of new features. So so what do you find particularly interesting about it? Well, I, I guess, um, you know, what it is fundamentally is, is think about it like an Excel spreadsheet. You, you know, it's a database fundamentally or a table that allows people to put, you know, consistent content. So it might be case studies. It might be, if it's an organization, it might be, um, you know, people, individual people, if they've got a team page, but it allows you to put content in, uh, just enter it into this table um, that then will then on the HubSpot CMS, it will just present on whatever pages we want that data and information presented on. So, if, and, and, and within that database, I guess, um, one of the things you can do is, for example, tag content. So, you know, for example, if you're using it for case studies, you could create tags for different sectors. And then when someone's on your website, 
Um, if they are on a certain sector page, then you can ensure that you just present those case studies relevant to that sector on that page. And all that's driven by literally a table. And it's a really user-friendly table. So it's not like every time you've got a new case study, you have to go and create a new page and then you put the copy in, etc. Actually, you're just going back to this one table and then actually that will drive the content and present the content on various web pages. So for us, I guess, you know, it's anything that you might have commonly have lots of. So, you know, obviously there's a blog section separate to this, but, you know, even, even things like white papers and reports or, you know, to some extent kind of knowledge base, you can start to think about using HubDB to do that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really powerful uh, way of presenting content. I guess that for those people that are familiar with WordPress, it's kind of a, a supercharged custom post type type setup. Um, but, but, you know, you can have multiple databases, multiple tables for different things with a website. So commonly for us, we'll create one for people pages, we'll create one for case studies, we might create one for services, etc. Um, and it just makes life easy in terms of putting content and managing content within a website. Uh, two questions for you about HubDB that I'm interested in. So do you find with most CMS installs, you're using HubDB for something in it? Is it, you know, a, a de facto part of the kit when you come to a website? And how do users find it? Because you mentioned, you know, it's 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 a, essentially a, a database table. Do marketing users tend to, you know, pick it up and run with it after, after you've put it into places? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, commonly for us, we would use it for, for example, a people page. So, you know, if the leadership team is being presented or, you know, if there's more than two or three people on the website and those people are going to potentially change, you know, then absolutely there's the use case there for it. And it's easier for us to do that than trying to, you know, create separate modules or whatever we might do to create that people page. So, um, and certainly when we're doing training on for marketeers, we will cover the HubDB as part of that. And, and it is as simple as a table. So imagine, you you know, you're looking, you're just populating an Excel spreadsheet with this is the first name, this is the last name, you know, what tags do you want in there? And they might be drop downs, et cetera. You put the tags in, um, you know, if there's an image, you just upload the image to that cell or put the hyperlink in for the image, you know, and then it'll just um, generate the page and the content from that table. Yeah, I can definitely echo that from a, a marketing perspective. It is essentially just it's like a form and you just fill in the blanks. So I can really easily go into our landing pages and add extra people or extra case studies because all I need to do is fill in the blanks and it's all pretty much formatted and, and there for me. So it just makes it really collaborative in terms of marketing. Don't need to, you know, talk to your developers and get them involved and, and lengthen out the process. They can just go in and do it themselves. So um, yeah, definitely a, a really powerful tool and some great points when we both there. Just, just to add to that as well, I think, which also makes life easy is that when you want to change that content, so let's, let's say case study. So you've got a certain layout for a case study page. If you then want to change that layout because, you know, you've had a brand change or different imagery or whatever it might be, you only need to change that layout once. So you change it on the page structure, I guess, for that. And then every case study will change uh, alongside that. So you're not having to go into multiple pages to change content. Yeah, definitely. So um, I guess we'll move on to another area, which is um, smart content. So I'm really interested to know from your perspective how this affects marketing. 
and what it actually means to have smart content. What are some of the use cases that you've seen? Sam, I know that you had said you had quite an interesting story, which I'm very intrigued about. <laughs> oh, that is definitely pumping up the story too much. But yeah, I, <laughs> Sam has lots of interesting stories, but we'll just listen to the one about smart content. <laughs> Not all for consumption on this podcast. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so, so smart content, if, if, for people who aren't aware, it's basically the ability to dynamically change the content displays on the website based on data that we know about the visitor on any given page. So we could change website content dynamically based on uh, the location of the visitor, for example, or, you know, the, probably the most flexible one is you can change content on a page based on whether the visitor is a member of a HubSpot list or not. So it's the ability to define the website based on information that we already know about who we're marketing to. And when I think about this and when I, when I discuss it with, with clients, um, I I think back to like when I first started writing for marketing and, you know, I was reading every copywriting book under the sun and one of them, I can't remember which one it was, but I think it was was probably a Dave Trott book. And he makes a point quite early on that, the the copy is everything the, co- the you know the copy on a website is it there's 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 nothing else that you've got that will convince people to work with you or purchase from you you know the branding and uh, and the design and i can hear the designers shouting at the, the podcast now that that's very important and i'm sure it is <laughs> the, the coloring in sam you mean <laughs> not that old chestnut <laughs> the paint by numbers is good yeah but but it, but the copy is it you know it, it, I, again think back sort of five years or so and we were all writing articles about the rise of video and how important it was to do video and make sure you had video and and that's true but I've never bought something from somewhere without reading the product information or without reading the about page of somebody who is providing a service. Um, so th- th- the copy is it that that that's what sells and you've got one go at your copy unless you've got smart content in which case you've got many many multiple goes at your copy for every possible audience that could be on that page in any given moment so that's why i think smart content is so important you've you know instead of just having that one string to your bow to get your product page right or to get your about page right it gives you many many arrows to fire at your target audience and to get that copyright and obviously you know coming from a perspective of somebody who writes copy um it, it, that's invaluable um and it, you know it's a major plus point for smart content and hubspot cms yeah i mean the the I think that's spot on, Sam, and, and and it's about being relevant. You know, smart content allows you to be far more relevant to your audience. You know, it's a bit like thinking about it like Amazon's recommendation engine. You know, when you go into Amazon, there's you know products similar to those you've searched before. Well, you know, you can do exactly that in HubSpot now. So, you know, take the example. Go coming back to case studies and sector. You know, if you know that that contact is in a certain sector, you can basically shape your whole website to be aligned to that sector you know all the case studies are about manufacturing all the news blogs are about manufacturing all the content the services you offer about manufacturing because you know that person's from manufacturing he's in a list and therefore you can dynamically change the content to be more uh, appropriate to them um, i mean and and this all works at sort of module level and it's something we haven't talked about and I, I will probably talk about it later i'm sure but and the one really important thing i think to note about the way hubspot has set up the cms is that it builds everything via modules modules are almost the building blocks to the website and we don't really now in the old days when we used to build on wordpress and other platforms you know we used to talk about how many page templates does the client need and we'd we'd, we'd price a website based on number of templates and number of pages now we're actually costing a website based on the number of modules because modules can be reused so you know the client might have a suite of i don't know 15 modules but that actually they could be configured 
with each other in any way to create any number of page layouts and templates. Um, but each one of those modules can have its own smart content. So within the module itself, you can then define what's presented in that module, whether it be an image or whether it be copy, et cetera, based on which country they're visiting from or what device, whether they're looking on a mobile or whether they're looking on a, a desktop or whether a member of a list, are they an existing customer or not? You know, so suddenly the ability to be really relevant, to be dynamic, to present a site that's, you know, really engaging to your target audience using this sort of modular building approach is, um, is really powerful and really compelling. And for marketeers, particularly when it's all about conversion and lead generation, then it gives you a much better chance of, of achieving your goals. Great. And I guess from a results perspective, do you see, I don't know if you'll see it from from your end, it might be more of a, of a data insight role, but do you see a massive shift in results from people that, I don't know, spending a certain amount of time on a website or going through the buyer's journey when you have this smart content and that dynamic content based on, you know, location, et cetera? Certainly from our perspective, I mean, it's similar to A-B testing, isn't it? You know, we know that more relevant content increases conversion rates. You know, if if you've got a page, a landing page on a website that, you know, you're targeting four or five different sectors, but actually if that content for the manufacturing um, visitor is all about manufacturing, you're more likely to convert them. So, so the numbers stack that up. You know, if we were doing split testing, you know, we'd get the same results. The more relevant content, the clearer calls to action will convert higher. And and just smart content allows us to do that better. So we're always going to find better performance. Great. Sorry, that was a last minute question that I threw in there. So well done, you handled that curveball well. <laughs> Keep me honest, Dave. Did you see? I wanted Sam to handle it, and he yeah. and he didn't. So I had to take it. I had to jump in. Yeah, he just thought, no, I'm going to let John uh, John fly with this one. <laughs> exactly. Squirm on this one. Um, so we see, you know, we've already touched on it. We see through a lot of the features and the general setup of the CMS Hub that HubSpot have made a real effort to make it as marketer friendly as it is developer friendly. So one of the ways it did that was through what you touched on already, John, the drag and drop editors, which is largely different to other platforms like WordPress, for example. So what does that drag and drop ability mean for marketers and marketing teams specifically? Yeah, so the, the way I'd, I'd put this and, and get people to think about it is, is a little bit, you know, related to what I said earlier about CMSs that create problems rather than solve them. So, you know, if, you, if you're not on a HubSpot CMS now and you, you think about what the, the work that you do in your current CMS, there is probably something that, that comes to mind that is a little bit painful, or, you know, that takes up more of your day than it should or that is a task that, you know, you, you just hate doing. And I think back to my time in WordPress, and I, I still use WordPress now on occasion. And, you know, even something as relatively simple as adding a table is a pain in the neck in WordPress. And, you know, it, it's 2021, adding a table should be nice and easy, but it isn't. You have to code the table. And, you know, if you if you don't understand HTML, you probably need to get a developer involved to, to drop a properly formatted table in, into a WordPress page or a WordPress blog. In the HubSpot CMS, you literally click insert table and select how many rows and columns you need, uh, just like an Excel spreadsheet, just like it should be in a, a modern CMS. And your table goes in there and that's a massive amount of time saved in your day. So the, the drag and drops part of it, you know, I think the, the drag and drop is, is an important manifestation of bearing in mind marketers. Um, but it's those little tasks sometimes, um, like dragging and dropping things like inserting a table, um, where the HubSpot CMS shows that it's it's bearing marketers in mind rather than almost actively working against the job of marketing a business on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, and I think just to add to that, I think as I mentioned earlier is, you know, this ability for marketeers to build out 
new page layouts that arguably they would historically, you know, if it's a new template, they would invariably go back to the developer and say, oh, I need a template for this type of content. Um, whereas now, you know, with these modules, you you can literally just drag them into the, 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 you know, the interface and then start playing with them to build out those those templates, those layouts yourself. So that that's just where, you know, life becomes much easier and simpler. Uh, and we know that, you know, everything's increasing agile now. People need to move quickly. They don't, they don't want to wait four weeks for, for, for that new page to be set up, whatever it might be. So it just puts that that control back in the hands of the marketeer, which is, which is great. Yeah, and we've definitely seen that internally at Common Digital. You know, John, you and I, when we have our regular catch ups and we're talking about building a landing page or something on the website, and it's well, actually, we don't need to engage our developers for that. You can just go ahead and, and do that yourself. And I think that's something really powerful, and it definitely sounds like HubSpot is making developers' jobs easier by the day. That's for sure. <laughs> definitely. Great. So, um, so let's move on to adaptive testing. So we know that HubSpot also introduced that into the CMS hub. So how does that differ from regular A-B testing? Please note that I have not much knowledge on this at all. So I'm definitely going to be uh, learning a lot from you. So please talk me all through A-B testing and adaptive testing. Okay. So adaptive testing is a more automated way of doing A-B testing where it starts to learn and adapt to the results as they come in. So the, the traditional way of doing A-B marketing is you set a time frame, you put two pages live, you let the experiment run. And at the end of the experiment, it tells you which one of those pages is is, is higher performing. Adaptive testing changes how much traffic it filters to the winning page as the experiment is in process. So, you know, partway through the experiment, it's becoming clear that um, A is in the lead. Um, but, you know, we, we still need to sort of check whether B is going to improve and, and sort of come in and, and, and nick the win at the end. But we don't want to ruin all that traffic that we're getting by splitting it 50-50. So instead, adaptive testing routes 75% of the traffic to A and 25% of the traffic to B. So it automatically adapts to how the A-B test is carried out so that we're not wasting the traffic that is coming into the test. And yeah, I think it's a good example of HubSpot looking at something that happens in marketing and thinking that's not quite right. Because you know, A-B testing is, is good, it's useful, but... How many times over the years have we looked at A-B testing and asked the question around, you know, when should we stop it? How long do we need it to run for? How much data do we need to, to make this decision? Have we made the right decision at the end of it? And adaptive testing is starting to take those questions out of the process. So instead of, you know, relying on human intervention and, and us looking at data and saying, right, this is what we think we should do. Adaptive testing is more a case of HubSpot saying, we've got the data we know from the AI's experience of how these things go, but this is what you should do to give yourself the best chance of success. So it it feels like the sort of next evolution of A-B testing. It feels like, you know, it, it solves an issue with A-B testing that everybody who does A-B testing experiences at some point. Um, I think it, there's probably more to come from it in the future. I think it probably kicks on and goes a bit further, but it, it it's definitely a, a positive feature for marketers. Yeah, I, well, I was just going to say, I think that's a really good point, Sam, and one I hadn't thought about, which is which is those questions that we always get asked when client we're talking to clients about A-B testing of how long should I leave it on for what volume of visitors is is a reasonable volume to be you, you know large enough use case to be able to test properly and, and you're dead right it just takes those out I hadn't thought about it like that I think that's I will use that one in every conversation I now have about a b testing um, one that I think I think is important in terms of adaptive testing I think it does need a form or there has to be some conversion event related to the page which it then tracks on um, and then you could you've obviously got the dashboard as well so there's the analytics on that page to say look these are how those five different versions have performed and you can have up to five versions 
Um, and then it just allows you to look at those in terms of the performance, the click-through rates, et cetera, and you can see how the volume of traffic is changing. So it is a little bit like, I wouldn't, I shouldn't say fire and forget, but with A-B testing, you've kind of got to think, right, I need to go back to that in a month's time and just look at it. Actually, with adaptive testing, you can set those up and then run it. And I guess that what you'd probably do is the poor performing pages, you'd change those variations. So you'd change, you know, variation C and D if they're not performing particularly well to see if they can outperform um, you know, variation A, and then set them up running again. And you might see that suddenly D becomes better than A and suddenly more traffic's going to D. So, um, yeah, I think there's, uh, it's, I think it's a really powerful tool, particularly for businesses that are trying to improve conversion rates. Um, and that's a, if that's a key driver to, to site performance, then adaptive testing is a great, a great tool to have in the kit bag. Sounds great. Uh, definitely goes back to that mantra you were saying before, Sam, of uh, solving problems, not creating them. So, Awesome. So uh, I suppose, you know, different tools stand out to different people that are in various roles, depending on the type of activity or content you're producing. So as users and John, as a, a HubSpot partner agency, what are your favorite features when it comes to the HubSpot CMS hub? My favorite, I'm not sure if you call it a feature or not. Um, and, and this is, and for many people who have used a lot of open source platforms like WordPress and others, is you you can build monsters. You, you know, you can build monsters with lots of plugins and they take, a you know, quite a lot of resource to manage and maintain, etc. I do think one of the real benefits of, of the HubSpot CMS is that, you know, there's no dependency either on the client or the agency or the host, well, the host provider would be HubSpot, um, to actually do the patching. HubSpot will manage that security for you. They'll manage the upgrades. You know, you're not having to think about a plug-in breaking that then impacts the site. So for us, you know, our devs, you know, we've got the support tickets. They're invariably, you know, 50% of them must be linked to WordPress sites where something has broken because a new version of WordPress has come out and other plugins don't work or plugins have broken and, and now WordPress doesn't work. So for me, it's that peace of mind, it's that stability, it's it's a really robust platform that just means that marketeers can get on with you know, doing the job and adding to the performance of the site as opposed to worrying about updates and patching and making sure the site's kind of just functioning as it should do. I think that's absolutely spot on. And, I, you know, I think we'll, we'll come on to the discuss this in a minute, I think. But the, the, the ecosystem around the infrastructure of WordPress is unsustainable as it exists at the moment for, for you know, unsustainable in and of itself, but also unsustainable for individual businesses. You know, I was looking at a business the other day and opened up their WordPress install and it has been updated for so long you know almost every plugin has got some level of vulnerability to it um and, and it's because market it's not a marketer's job to do it nor is it necessarily the host's job to do it um and it just creates these areas of either functionality loss or you know performance loss on the website or security vulnerability and and, and that just can't stay as the the, the modus operandi for for wordpress for, forever and a day um I think for me, you know, it's it's a bit of a cop out, but my my favourite bit of the HubSpot CMS is is the sort of all in one nature of it and of HubSpot. You know, HubSpot's main selling point for for many years and still now is that it does everything. You know, it, it pulls so much together to make the job easier for marketers because all of the tools are in one place. And if you look at the CMS and the features that you get with it when you purchase the CMS, you, you know, you're not really just getting a CMS. You're getting a whole marketing suite of tools to use and, and go out and, and run your business from. Um, and I think back to, you know, when HubSpot started, it was a it was a marketing automation platform and that was how they described themselves. Um, and then, then they sort of moved to being 
a marketing platform and you know that was how they described themselves and you sort of did everything and i wonder if they had their time over again and they spent more time on the cms i wonder if they would describe themselves more as a marketing cms you know i wonder if that would be the way that they would go to market now with you know this all in one host your website and do all of your marketing from this one place it's so valuable to to marketers and to businesses that i you know i wonder if that is that is where the, the real true value of, of, of hubspot as a whole lies now yeah it definitely is just continuing to evolve isn't it um and i guess when we think about those listening to this episode there will be some who perhaps are only really hearing about HubSpot CMS for the first time or who are perhaps using WordPress, like you said, which is unsustainable sometimes or using Marketing Hub, but they've never really considered using HubSpot as their CMS. So Sam, I know when we were talking prior to the podcast, you mentioned that you come across kind of daily examples where HubSpot doesn't even enter the conversation as a CMS and it really could be for that for that company in question. So what is it that you would say to those people? Yeah, so I, I see examples of this on an almost weekly basis at the moment. A, a large number of businesses are either agency-led when it comes to the CMS, so they, they only use the CMS that the agency suggests, or they're, uh, internally they are they consider themselves to be a WordPress business. Basically, you know, it's, it's always been on WordPress, so it always will be there on WordPress. Or we partner with XYZ agency, and their CMS of choice is WordPress or Wix or whatever it happens to be, and therefore we're going to use that. So I'd really encourage businesses to sort of take the lead on it a little bit more and to look for the CMS that fits them rather than accepting the CMS that is put in front of them, whether that's from an agency or whether that's from, you know, historical use case. If businesses sort of take the lead and sort of push back a bit and say, you know, have we considered this? If not, why not? Would it work for us? You know, what are the pros and cons? If I stack up my, my free choices, which one comes out on top? I think that sort of conversation probably needs to happen a little bit more rather than a sort of acceptance of, of whatever the CMS is and is at the moment or whatever the CMS being put in front of them is. I think that is starting to happen a little bit more. I saw um, an agency pitch the other day where the agency in question was a WordPress agency, but they were saying to the client, um, look, you might actually be better off using Wix or, or a, a smaller website. And, you know, I've saw that and I thought, well, that, that's, that's brilliant really, isn't it? That, you know, that's the agency doing a good job, you know, not forcing people down the WordPress use and, and, and using something that's, that's more appropriate to them. For those that don't go and, and sort of do their own research and push back a bit, you know, you shared an article the other day that I saw, John, on, on sort of the death of WordPress and and, uh, and WordPress sort of going off a cliff eventually. WordPress has only got one direction to travel in. You know, it, it cannot saturate the market anymore. So it's only on. It's only going to come down on a on a downward curve. There's enough competitors in the marketplace now that that do a better job than what WordPress does. That businesses are going to start to jump on board and. Those businesses that do with things like HubSpot or with other sort of feature-rich CMSs or with more appropriate CMSs than WordPress, they're going to have a competitive advantage from a marketing point of view, from the point of view of how easy it is to deliver to deliver marketing. So if you're in the boat where you've got WordPress and it works brilliantly for you and you're completely sold on it and your marketing is slick and your marketers can do everything that they want to do with it, perfect. But if that's not you, then my argument and recommendation would be, you know, it's time to start asking the question of why aren't we moving on from this and why aren't we looking at other things? Yeah. I think just to add to that as well, I think, I think you know, uh, really valid points there. And, and for me, I think what we've seen in the whole CMS market, if you like, if you think about that vertical, is that you've seen 
Wix and Squarespace actually really developed their offerings to be sort of they were they were one you know if you're a one man band consult you might use Wix or Squarespace. Actually, they're quite compelling propositions now for I would say small business, you know, maybe even some you know slightly larger businesses because they're really robust in terms of their platforms. You know, they're quite tight in terms of the the code base, whereas. WordPress has this kind of, it's got tentacles everywhere and it can become quite messy because of its open source nature, etc. So what you've seen is Squarespace and Wix kind of start to go up market, start to take up more space of where WordPress was. What you're then seeing is is people like um, HubSpot coming in and they've been sort of arguably smaller mid-market, but now they're going enterprise. So they're now starting to take on the sort of bigger, more traditional players, even people like Sitecore, which are, oh, I don't know how much Sitecore is now a year, but you know, it used to be tens of thousands of pounds, but those sorts of platforms and having that sort of capability. And I think there's a real question mark now about where WordPress's place is in the market in relation to their offer. And I think that's slightly confused at the moment. Um, I think the other point is worth mentioning is, you, you know, our devs here um, used to love WordPress. You, you know, they grew up with WordPress. That's They spent 10 years developing on WordPress. And now, you know, pretty much uh, 80% of our sites, I guess 90% of sites are, are now HubSpot. Uh, and they love HubSpot. From a developer's perspective, they find the code base much cleaner. You know, they Hubble, I think, is the code. It's all a bit dark arts to me when we go into this space. But, um, you know, those guys really love working on HubSpot sites because of the, the way it's built, the way they can code, the way they can build out custom functional and other bits and pieces on it. So even for the developers who might historically have been in the WordPress camp, I think that there's opportunity to be looking at, at, at things like WordPress. And it's also interesting while we're talking about CMS is, you know, we're, we're probably a, a topic for another day, but thinking about, you know, other platforms coming in like the likes of Gatsby and things like that, which is another conversation entirely um, related, but slightly unrelated to CMS. But that's, you, you know, I think that's where we're starting to see the future of, of web design going. Um, but much more powerful content management platforms, much more, you know, providing marketeers with with a much more robust and, and sort of wider tool set. It's the old adage, you know, if, if your CMS isn't part of the solution, then it's part of the problem. You know, if you, if you are working around your CMS on a daily basis, that is not helping your marketing to, to achieve its goals. So try and, you know, try and take a look at something else and see if there's something else that would that would work better. Great answers to that question. I think we probably had two or three more podcast uh, topics in there. So, uh, yeah, I love that. And um, I like your point, Sam, where you're saying, you know, be a bit more proactive about it don't just kind of go with what's put in front of you I guess it would be the same with like internal resource if someone gave you someone to hire you wouldn't just hire them on the spot without looking at their experience and having a chat with them and making sure it's the right fit so um why would you do that with your CMS hub as well so uh, yeah great point so um we've covered a range of different tools and features but I suppose one last question when it comes to CMS hub what are your best tips for our listeners? What have you kind of learned along the way that you'd like our listeners to know before they perhaps um, embark on building out the CMS hub with HubSpot? So from from my point of view, I think my, my main tip would be spend the time and money to get it set up 100% properly so that your marketers can go and run with it. Because, you know, I, I listened to your last podcast and, and John went to town on car metaphors. <laughs> so we'll, we'll add another one in. I'm, I'm slightly disappointed he hasn't come up with one today, actually. There's still time, Kerry. There's still time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to do it for him. I'm going I'm to do John's car metaphor job for him. So if you get the HubSpot CMS and, you know, you put it in front of your marketers, but you haven't 
um, sort of invested the time and money that it needs to get it set up and running properly. It is like buying your market as a Ferrari, but not putting the petrol in it. You know, you, you, you've got this nice shiny thing that can go really fast, but it's actually not really going anywhere um, to, to begin with. So it's great for marketers, but it takes some development skill and expertise to, to get it up and running properly try and invest and spend that time to do it because the payoff is the flexibility and the usability that your marketers have down the road to you know as you've said it i think kerry to add in a new page it's it's much easier rather than needing the development time then so you know you, you put time in at the start get everything humming and then leave it to your brilliant marketing team to to take it forward to make it a success i love it sam you can come back <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think for me, you know, I think when you talk about the HubSpot CMS and, and, and other sort of modern platforms, it's starting to think about the art of the possible because th- they allow so much more. You, you know, for us, recent conversation with the client, they, they were about to invest sort of six figures in an application to develop an application, a bespoke application, which actually can now be solved using the tools they've got. And one of those tools as part of that is the HubSpot CMS. Just because of things like smart content and the HubDB, you know, you can now really get really clever with building out um, web experiences and customer experiences. So so for me, in terms of thinking about HubSpot CMS, is, is almost you need to push your thinking a little in terms of it's not just a CMS in the way that WordPress is or, other, or what you might be used to. It's actually thinking about what, okay, where do we want to go with this? What, what, what is the art of the possible? And, and I think that kind of mindset will, will allow you to get far more out of, out of the platform. That, that's that that's that way of, of thinking about it as you know if you were to design a marketing hub you know that, that had absolutely all of your marketing in it there's no way on this earth that it wouldn't include your website you know that that is where your your, your website should sit it should sit in this sort of all-encompassing marketing hub and that's what the cms allows isn't it? it it brings your website into all of your other main marketing tools and allows you to use it as you should use it yeah definitely Right. Um, and I guess, yeah, if, if you're unsure, you know, there's plenty of resources out there, where, you know, equally reach out to people at agencies like ours or, um, you know, there's lots of agencies that have HubSpot trainers, so they can definitely have conversations with you on, on whether CMS Hub is the right right move for you. So great. Thank you, guys. Well, that's all the time we have today. Thanks for your time, Sam and John. It's been a pleasure. And I'm sure our listeners will be looking at ways they can either begin to adopt the CMS hub into their business or build out what they currently have and maximize its potential. So thanks again for your words of CMS hub wisdom today. Thanks, Gary. Great to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. So uh, if you also enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues and let us know your thoughts on social media. You can tag us at Carmen Digital or you can also let us know by leaving a podcast review. They're very much appreciated. If you want to make sure you never miss a new episode, you can subscribe by heading to bit.ly forward slash podspot podcast and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.